I can't count on one hand the number of times I'd heard Sidney Crosby sound the way he did yesterday. This is a real thing that everyone involved with the Penguins all the way to the tippy top needs to deal with. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also serve up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. Sid and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang and a ton of other guys took their turns at the podium yesterday in Cranberry at the team's annual cleanout day. And the team's annual cleanout day has occurred earlier than the expected norm for a handful of years now. And that's pretty much how it sounded. There were a lot of disappointed individuals. There were a lot of banged up individuals talking about their injuries, not citing them as an excuse. No one did that. But talking about what they'll have to do to be more ready for the following season, whether or not there will be surgeries, et cetera, et cetera. And then there was topic A with a bullet, and that was, of course, whether or not the core can be kept together. Let's start with the captain. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, we all feel the same way. We've been fortunate enough to to play together for a long time, um, you know, been through a lot. And I think you look at all those experiences, uh, there's a lot of belief, a lot of trust in one another. And uh, with that, we've had success too. So I think, um, you know, there's also a confidence level. So, um, you know, that's, that's very rare. And I think uh, we all appreciate that. Uh, that being said, you know, we understand that, uh, you know, it's, it's not something that, you know, can happen forever, but, um, you know, hopefully a little bit longer. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we continue to play together and, uh, it's, it's unique. It's special. And, and like I said, we've, I think we've done a pretty good job as a group and, uh, and as a team. So hopefully that, that plays into it too. And now Evgeny Malkin. Oh, it's amazing. It's like my, uh, two brothers, uh, one Canadian, one French Canadian. And, uh, I mean, like, uh, I love it both. Like, and, uh, uh, it's again like it's not just a hockey it's a life you know like uh, we spend so much time together it's like uh, we know each other pretty well and uh, I mean see the amazing guy like he's like my uh, favorite player favorite guy like and again like if he need anything in Russia or anything to my, my family it's like a whole pleasure and like my open like forever for him both and finally Chris Letang. I mean, we kind of all came together, you know. Sid uh, was there a year uh, before us, but having the chance to play um, against him in the in the Quebec League, it was just like Sid was always like a like a model, you know. Like even if he was the same age, it's like he does everything perfectly, you know. How, how focused he is and the dedication he he puts in, into hockey is just uh, amazing. So to have him. Uh, alongside um, me and Gino, it's uh, it's a treat for us. Um, and Gino, you know, uh, kind of saw him grow as a as a player and um, as a person. Uh, also, like we all know how good he was, and um, 
everything he accomplished throughout his career is just amazing. But um, to see the the beginning of Gino like not speaking a word of English, and after that like being a guy that he jokes around and um, having him more with the guys at for dinner, and you know it's um, no, we kind of kind of grew all together, and um, you learn a lot more when uh, you spend that much time with these guys. Other pending free agents came up too, naturally. Brian Rust, Ricard Raquel, but this is where the storyline is right now and where it's going to be in the weeks, maybe even the months to come. And I'm here to tell you, I don't see a scenario in which the new owners of the franchise, no matter how authoritative they are, are going to fly in the face of Sidney Patrick Crosby. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Sid told me the other night in New York, and he repeated it at this session, that he's not exactly the type to get involved with roster influencing. And that's fair. Even when there have been occasions in the past where he really, really, really wanted a certain player, whether it was to stay or even to come from the outside, he, he'd find a way to hold it back. You know, he's not doing that here at all. And this is a striking and glaring, and I should add, appropriate departure from the past because there aren't other circumstances to compare to this one. He said himself, Sid did, that he wants to play three more years, at least. And of course, that's the term remaining on his contract. He'd never spoken that out loud either. Whatever contracts the Penguins would be able to achieve with either Malkin or Latang, they would absolutely be at least three years. So you'd be able to say, if you're the management, here you go. All three of you are here. All three of you are likely to finish your careers in Pittsburgh, which all three have stated passionately they would prefer to do. And oh, by the way, all three of you would be here at a fairly affordable rate so that we could find a way to augment around you and Jake Gensel and others to build up a cup-contending team. Now, pause right here, okay, because I know that as soon as I say that, there's going to be all kinds of cynicism. These guys have had how many consecutive first-round exits now? What do you think is going to reverse itself magically just by hoping for it and giving them sweetheart retirement deals for the next three years. And I'm going to keep coming back to the fact that this has nothing to do, at least it shouldn't have anything to do, with sentimentality. The sentimentality is a nice touch, if you can add it on as a bonus, but go ahead and get ice cold. Just Your spaceship just landed here from Saturn and you just became the executive of this hockey team, and you start learning enough about the sport through your magical alien powers, and you grasp almost instantly 
that if you lose Gino as a second-line center, you have absolutely bleeping no one to replace him unless you pay even more on the open market. You realize that the same thing applies times 10 when it comes to your number one defenseman, the guy who gets the most ice time, the guy who's on the first power play unit, the guy who's on the first penalty killing unit. You have no one, no one, no one, no one, no one, no one to replace these individuals unless you pay way more than what these two are asking for. So throw out all of the violins and pianos and everything else, and anybody who's bringing up sentimentality on this is completely out of line and is just going for a cheap narrative. These are the best, most affordable players for their respective positions. It's not about symbolism. I can't say that often enough. It's not about it's time for a change. A change of what? Of having a lousier second-line center? Of having a lousier number one defenseman? Is that the change you want to bring? Who do you want as your number one defenseman? Let me just ask that. Do you want John Marino as your number one defenseman? And you can't even say Mike Matheson because he's a lefty. Also, he's not a number one defenseman. How many games do you think this team wins with Marino as a number one defenseman? And I'm not even just saying that as a cheap shot because he had a lousy game seven. Think about this in the practical sense, because I can assure you that that's what Sid is doing. Sid doesn't want to have his final three years wasted. Why? Because he's a winner. Do you want something else? Do you think that Gino uh, and or Latang could now be traded and the Penguins would get something in return of significance? You know, like two months before free agency? No chance. No chance. You 100% keep both of them. It's not even interesting. When we come back, just one question. And today's J1Q comes from Carmen, who asks, so who's really negotiating the extensions Gino and Latang. Is it FSG or Ron Hextall or both? Carmen, you have set the stage for me to be at least a little bit mean. Not to you. This is a totally fair and good question. But maybe in another regard. There are people who cover the Penguins on a daily basis. There are people who are around the Penguins constantly. We're fortunate to have a reporting staff here, that does that. I do it myself. But there are also people who don't cover the Penguins at all and who really don't even pay attention to the Penguins until they're literally the only thing standing in Pittsburgh, and then they have to pull themselves away from football or college sports or whatever it is that they're into. And because they can't talk about hockey with Hockey fans, because hockey fans have a certain level that they expect of people that they're reading or listening to, to understand the sport, to understand the NHL, its member teams, its players, and all that other stuff, right? So those people will swoop in at playoff time and come up with all kinds of crazy stories to try to call attention to themselves. 
Whether or not these stories are true doesn't really matter. All that matters is that you're mentioning their name. I've heard this directly on countless occasions. They just want you to remember their name, even if it's simply for the remainder of that given day. So, without getting specific, there's been all kinds of stuff that have bounced around over the last, I'd say, three or four days related to the contracts of Malkin and Latang, to the status of the Fenway Sports Group as it relates to Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. And there was even a completely insane report that the Penguins had deliberately defied their medical staff and held Sidney Crosby out of Game 6, which was so preposterous that we as a company didn't even bother reacting to it in any way, shape, or form. Because if anybody actually believed that for a split second, they're so stupid, they're not even capable of being converted. Meaning to the not stupid. But also, as a result, we've heard more mentions of the Fenway Sports Group and their impact on these decisions over the last, you know, four or five days than we'd heard in the previous few months since they actually bought the team. I talked about FSG myself on yesterday's show, although I really hope it didn't qualify me for clinical insanity in the form of the final product. Now, I will actually answer your question, which I will repeat was a good one. These contracts are being negotiated directly between two individuals, and that would be the singular agent representing Malkin, the singular agent representing Latang, and right down the line, the singular agent representing Rust, the singular agent representing Raquel, and one, count them, one representative of the Pittsburgh Penguins. That is Hextall. Latang confirmed this yesterday, but he didn't need to. That's how this works everywhere. I've spent half of a lifetime dealing with agents. They never, ever, 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 ever deal with more than one person at a team when they are negotiating. That even applies to the lower-level guys, the rookies, who can deal or be assigned to a lower-level person in a team's front office. And by that, I'm getting really lower level here, okay, leaning the players, someone who has no chance of ever making it above the Wilkes-Barre level or something like that. They'll be assigned to an underling or a director of player development, but even then, they'll only deal with one person. These negotiations are taking place between an agent and a GM, meaning Hextall. Now, does Hextall in turn communicate with Burke? Does he in turn communicate with Tom Werner of FSG? Sure, of course he does, especially with decisions of this magnitude. Again, nothing unusual about that. Just a few weeks ago, when the Pirates finalized their nine-year contract with Kibrian Hayes, all of the negotiating happened between Hayes' agent and Ben Charrington, the GM, but it was Bob Nutting who went and sat in the office as the contract was signed. They're aware. An owner is aware. They're informed. They're told what's going on. They're kept up to date. But only in the most extraordinary circumstance 
is an owner directly involved. And for those of you who are fans of Pittsburgh's other teams, I'll throw in an example uh, from the one team I haven't mentioned in this segment, and that's the Steelers. And that, of course, is T.J. Watt famously last year knocking on Art Rooney's door after a long uh, delay in getting an extension and saying, Art, listen, let's just get this done. And sure enough, later that afternoon, they'd gotten it done. That is, that's just way out there, not to be used as an example of any kind. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.